Hello, and welcome to the NECA Safety Roundup podcast series. In today's challenging world of safety in the electrical, utility, and construction industries, we hope that our information and the conversations we have will help you to provide safety leadership within your organization. We will discuss the many issues involving safety and offer some guidance and solutions to the many challenges that we face. Hello, and welcome to the next edition of the NECA Safety Roundup podcast. I'm Wes Wheeler, the Executive Director of Safety with NECA, and I'm joined by Mike Starner, the Executive Director for Outside Line Safety. We have a special guest today, and we're going to talk about a, a topic that basically affects every construction employer in the industry, and that is the OSHA outreach training programs. You know, everybody looks at OSHA outreach training to provide, you know, entry-level training for our workers. But there, there's some questions really on, on how that training is being used. In addition to that, Mike, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the OSHA 10 and 20 hour programs for the outside electrical transmission distribution. Yeah, Wes, it, it's pretty interesting, right? You start to think about, you know, the OSHA, you know, folks folks are familiar with OSHA 10 and OSHA 30 cards, right? So, um, you know, that's essentially built around, you know, the construction trades and, and the kind of hazards that you might find on a, on a typical construction site. But there is, uh, through the Electric Transmission and Distribution Partnership, uh, a special version uh, that is an authorized OSHA program uh, that produces 10 hour for general awareness and also a 20 hour for safety leadership. And uh, so there, one thing that always, uh, you know, kind of concerned me um, as a person in the ENT, ET&D space, if you go to, you know, an OTI and you're taking some OSHA number courses, they tend to just be centered around general construction activity. And you don't always get that information you need about some of the more specific technical information that's relevant to ETD work. So things like isolate and insulate and grounding and bonding. Uh, so it's, it's really it's really interesting for me through my own self-discovery through my career that this program exists. And I think Palmer's going to talk a little bit about the nuances associated with that training and compare it to you know your general construction training that's out there. And uh, so man, what what a treat we have, Palmer. Thanks yeah, for being and, here. And, you know, Palmer, let me let me just introduce, make it official. Palmer Hickman, Director of Codes and Curriculum and Safety Training for the Electrical Training Alliance. Palmer, welcome to, to our roundup today. We really appreciate you taking time to talk with Mike and myself. Well, it's a great, it's great to be with you folks and uh appreciate the opportunity to dig a little deeper, perhaps beyond what folks uh might know. I I know that seems to be when you don't know, you make an educated guess on what it might be. So we're going to perhaps dispel a couple of myths. We'll be the myth busters, if you will. Well, and that, that's really kind of a, a great segue into leading into, you know, um, you know, I think one of the questions, the National Safety Council just recently posted a, a kind of conversational question, and it really related to, you know, how does your organization utilize the OSHA 10 and 30 hour training. Well, you know, even for general industry or for, for construction, but but think about it in, in our realm for construction. How does your employer and you know utilize that OSHA 10 and 30 hour outreach training? And, and what is what does it offer? Palmer? Well, let me circle back to something that Mike just discussed. So the Electrical Transmission and Distribution Partnership has its own 10-hour course, uh, unique, and rightly so. 
But uh, we recently at our National Training Institute asked our folks from the outside industry if there's a need for the 30. And there was a there was a number of folks that said, yes, there is a need for an OSHA 30 for the outside. And, and it is for supervisory folks uh, primarily. And I think that's where the need was there. So to that point, the partnership has its 10-hour program, and it also has a 20-hour OSHA course. But interestingly, the 10 plus 20 does not equal 30, not from OSHA's perspective. So now to the overall program. OSHA publishes two documents that anyone teaching a 10 or 30 has to follow, and actually they have to affirm that they followed any time they submit a card request. So OSHA does recognize giving 20 additional hours to get a 30. And I think that's what the outside would certainly look to do. And some some folks are already doing it and we probably need to look at how to do it even more than we are. Uh, same rules apply, has to be done within six months, has to be done by the same trainer. And uh, the rules and the requirements of the procedures that outreach trainers, not that we use the term outreach trainer because that's actually what the official program is called the outreach training program. And those that teach the 10 and 30 are outreach trainers. So just a little bit of terminology there. So if there is a need, I'm gonna speak specifically to the outside now for uh, to, to have a 30 hour card, then certainly the partnership 10 plus 20 additional hours within the parameters of the requirements and procedures of the outreach training program to give those additional 20 hours. Now, let's switch gears to the overall. So why is everyone seeking to get their entire membership or all their employees through an OSHA 10 and all their supervisors through an OSHA 30? Well, certainly there's 10 or 30 more hours of training that they would have otherwise had. But I think this is a conclusion that some have come to. Not everyone knows about these outreach training program requirements and procedures that the outreach trainer has to follow. They're certainly publicly available, but this is what certainly we as trainers go through when we conduct the OSHA 500 and 502. As a matter of fact, the entire OSHA 500 exam is on the procedures and requirements. It's not on the standards. So it is probably not as well known as it should be, perhaps. I, it's certainly our outreach trainers know this because they affirm that they follow the requirements and procedures every time they submit a card request. So per OSHA, the purpose of the 10-hour program is for entry-level worker awareness training. And I'm abbreviating heavily. Uh, the introduction to OSHA is used to be two hours, now it's one hour. But certainly, uh, having to follow what OSHA states and following the, its purpose, again, is entry-level worker awareness training. And I think uh, not everyone that takes an OSHA 10 is an entry-level worker. So I think it, the, the case could be made that the OSHA 10 is being, in a being used. I think the case could be made that the 10 hour is being used by some beyond OSHA stated purpose. And it also states there that neither the 10 nor 30 meets any 
training requirement and any OSHA standard. So I think that also is perhaps news to some. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, I think along those lines that I, I totally agree that when it comes to the OSHA 10 and 30 hour programs for constructions, for instance, that, you know, as you stated before, according to OSHA, those are, was developed as entry level awareness training for workers coming into the construction industry or coming into whatever work, you know, whatever field that they're actually going into. And, and all too often, it has been manipulated now by outside organizations. It's manipulated by, you know, owners that, that really don't understand, you know, what those requirements are to require, you know, refresher training, to require, you know, um, to go back through the course again. And if you have somebody that's completed an OSHA 10 or an OSHA 30 hour, and then they have to go back and sit through the same material over again, you, you really kind of sometimes are losing interest. You're, you're wasting the time. You're not doing it. But, but to your point, is that none of the 10 and 30 hour training in those outreach training programs count towards what is required OSHA training according to the regulations, according to the standards. You know, and, and I know that one of the things that we did at ACOSH in the last few years is actually helped to develop, you know, it's kind of a guideline. I know it's available in the infrastructure focus four plus page where they actually have a PDF that actually details what is the required OSHA training that employers have to have on file and completed with their employees. If, if people would look at that and recognize, you know, that specific training, according to the regulations, goes over and above what the awareness training is. And that's really, you know, when we start thinking about it, isn't that really where we want to put our emphasis? Wes, you're exactly right. I think that's what trips up employers the most is they they know they have a responsibility to train their employees and, and training can take a lot of different forms. And so if, if, if you take advantage of a module or you develop a program or something and you push your employees through it and, and, and then you have this documentation, you say, I got my employees trained. But there's a big difference between safety awareness in, in the sense that, you know, you're meeting OSHA requirements to make sure your employees understand the hazards that they're exposed to and how to protect themselves. There's a big difference between that and competency level based, competency based level training to where you're actually making sure that an employee knows how to, you know, fall protection is probably one of the best examples, right? You can cover fall protection pretty simply through the 10 hour. You're talking about the hazards and things that you have to know before your boots hit the ground, but that doesn't make a competent person, does it, Palmer? That's a great point, Mike. That is absolutely right. So, uh, you know, we we think about you, when you have to be a qualified person, for example, to perform energized work, you have to be a qualified person, and you look to a lot of different standards, OSHA, 70E, and others, uh, for example. But again, to, to focus in specifically on this, you know, we we kind of kiddingly tell our outreach trainers that is to teach at 10 to 30 that the way you're going to know you're doing your job properly when you teach a class on Saturdays, if you get a call on Monday morning saying, what the heck are you teaching these people? They're not going to go down in the trench anymore without a trench box. They're not going to yeah. work in front of energized equipment any longer without uh, knowing what the hazards are, without rubber insulating gloves that have been uh electrically tested within the last six months or maybe nine uh, or within 90 days for utilities, you know, whatever the particular rules might be. But here's the here's the crux of the 10 and 30 at the outreach training program that many would call the 10 and 30. 
So OSHA's purpose is, and I'm reading directly from the procedures that the outreach trainer has to follow, teach construction workers about their rights, employer responsibilities, how to file a complaint, as well as to identify, abate, avoid, and prevent job-related hazards. It does not meet training requirements in any OSHA standard. So if we can get at least one person or one entity to realize that, yeah, there's certainly a place for the 10 and 30. Uh, we're not saying that we don't want to do it. There's more to do, I think, is to is the takeaway. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know, and I don't think even that anyone considers that they think just because they've got every employee or every member through an OSHA 10 that their job is done. But I think it's worth pointing out that it does not meet any training requirement in any OSHA standard. So we we often ask that, how does someone become qualified? Or as Mike just asked, how does someone become competent? It's certainly not through the 10 or 30. The 10 or 30 certainly makes you more knowledgeable, more aware, and it's it's a piece of the overall puzzle in becoming qualified or competent, but it certainly in and of itself does not get you there. Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, along those lines, just like you're talking about, that the specific training that's required by the standards, yes, there are other courses, there are other programs that workers can take that meet the intent. And, and you know, we, we, we see these courses a lot of times where they will provide, they can't make it a competent person, but they'll provide training in the competent person requirements, say for fall protections or for ex excavations. You know, and those are a little bit more specific in detail for those workers and supervisors. And, and the other point, just to kind of remember, maybe you can allude, allude to a little bit more, and I know that, that, that Mike has something to say about this as well. It wasn't until just a few years ago that even OSHA recognized that the OSHA 30 was being utilized by industry as, quote, a supervisory course, a leadership course, a, you know, something along those lines. To the point that OSHA finally recognized as a, you know, um, as an option, you could perform two hours of safety leadership training, you know, foundations of safety leadership that have been developed because that was a program specifically to help teach supervisors how to properly oversee safety on a job. And up until that point in time, there was no leadership training in the OSHA 30. And, and that was the difference between the OSHA 20 for ETND, because the OSHA 20 for ETND was specifically called out to be safety leadership in action. It was really called out for our foreman to watch out in, in their safety culture and climate on the outside industry to be able to really identify, you know, what are the things we can have influence over? And, and you know, I don't know if you want to expand a little bit on that or, or Mike, if you, you got any comments related to that. But I, I think it's important that, as we mentioned earlier, it's it's the impression of how people are utilizing it as far as 10 and 30 hour training and understanding that I can do all that training, but I still have to do more. Yeah, I think I think what I think what employers should know is that, you know, safety is a skill just like any other technical training that you might do. You got to build on it. Right. So you start off with. The, you know, the 10 hour, which is introductory information, awareness, things like that. And then on top of that, you build your other, you know, the rest of your training program, the things that's going to help your employee be safe, that's going to meet these training requirements that OSHA has so that you're compliant. But, and then take that a step further. What do we know in our industry 
that has one of the, arguably the biggest impact on you know worksite conditions is safety leadership. And so that goes beyond more than just recognizing hazards. That goes into how do you give and receive feedback? How do you approach, you know, we have a series that we're a podcast series where we're talking about incident response and incident investigations. Understanding how costly accidents can be uh, to the company's bottom line and how safety has a financial benefit as well as a moral benefit. And uh, so you want to build on these things. So don't just, you know, as an employer, don't rest on your laurels that you've done sort of just your compliance. Right. Let's build on that and provide some safety leadership so that they can, you know, there's a there's a spectrum of safety mindfulness throughout throughout your organization, right? So the the new person on the job has had their you know their onboarding, their their ten hour information, whatever else that you're giving them to get them ready for the job and the work that they're going to do. As they progress through their trade, they're learning more and more information, and then when they get into responsibility for safety, now you're giving them even more information that's targeted to that. And Palmer, I know that you have some insights on safety leadership. Yeah, so certainly the electrical transmission and distribution partnership uh, was a leader in leadership training. So they're now in their second generation of the 20 hour. And it's in many ways like what Wes had mentioned that was developed by the CPWR, the Foundation for Safety Leadership that is in the, it's designated in the 30. If you choose that at least two and a half hours uh, on leadership. So clearly, uh, the the partnership identified the need for leadership training and has done a fantastic job with it. And I think OSHA in allowing that course to be recognized in the 30 also uh, is is was a groundbreaking moment as Wes had mentioned. So just circling back, uh, if I may, just to focus us on, we talk about the 30 and what its purpose is. So, Here's what OSHA says in its procedures. So they have requirements of procedures. Both the outreach trainer has to affirm that they followed. So just again, we're trying to get the message out that maybe this is new information or to clarify some information. So the 30-hour training program is intended to provide a variety of training to workers with some safety responsibility. So however you interpret that, whether it's the safety person on the job, if it's the foreman, it, it, you know, so the, the literal wording is training to workers with some safety responsibility. And again, training should emphasize how it has identification, avoidance, control, and prevention, not OSHA standards. So contrast that to the purpose of the 10-hour. The 10-hour program is intended to provide entry-level construction workers information about their rights, employer responsibilities, how to file a complaint, as well as to how to identify, abate, avoid, and prevent job-related hazards on a construction site. So we don't see anything here, just like we saw in the requirements. It does not meet any training uh, requirement in any OSHA standard. Taken together, I, I know that many do a fantastic job, do everything they need to do. Uh, but if we can at least get this information out what the 10 and 30 is and what it's not at least from osha's own direction to outreach trainers well to your point there palmer i think that that statement that you know an individual with some safety responsibilities you know let's just 
we're, we're kind of closed on that. I know we've had a few minutes here on this thing, but you know what I've seen in the industry over the years, I've been in the trade for over 40 years, but we start dealing with a lot of contract documents. And in order to have a, or in order to be named a site safety supervisor in the language of the contract, it stipulates that that person has to have at a minimum an OSHA 30 hour course. So I, I think when we start looking at how these OSHA courses have been interpreted over the years by, by third party evaluators, by owners, by contract documents, these are the kind of things that have led up to the confusion, the misapplication, and unfortunately, the shortcomings of what these training programs actually have. Yep. Palmer will give you the final word. <laughs> okay. I am certainly not trying to talk anyone out of conducting or taking an OSHA 10 or 30. I'm just trying to say there's more to do. As you would see in the middle of the night watching a commercial, but wait, there's more. <laughs> well, Palmer, I want to say again, from Nika's perspective, and, and all that you do in the Electrical Training Alliance and the training programs, the outreach instructor programs that you participate in and teach. I know you have some some 500 instructors that work for you, and I've helped you out in the past many years ago. So I just want to say thank you to you, to Stodd Stafford and the Electrical Training Alliance, and, and you know to the outside line industry and, and their training programs. And and I'll let Mike Mike uh, take us away. Yep, and I couldn't, you know, you know, mirror Wes's comments exactly, right? So together, collectively, we were able to produce world class training uh, that helps our workers stay safe and provides a lot of value to the contractor, which ends up being product productivity and earnings, and also just success overall. Together, we're better together, and having you participate in today's podcast is just a great example of that. And so, with that, I'll say thanks for your participation. Thanks for everybody tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Nika's Safety Roundup.